Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. It was a very bright, shining light, Sarajevo, and they needed to kill that light. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo, thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. U2, they represent a personification of our resistance. The Hollywood Reporter hails Kiss the Future, moving and inspirational. Kiss the Future! Viva Sarajevo! Kiss the Future, new documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply. They have to understand I chose to, to stay in my country because I'm French. And, and the Bernabeu brings it back! I haven't, I haven't got a problem with soccer, to be fair. Foot, ball. Oh, what a start! What I can guarantee to you is that they want to keep everything secret. Welcome out to Champions YouTube friends, dropping your comments and questions in the chat and make sure you smash the like and subscribe buttons as we review the action from today's EFL Cup round of 16 game between Manchester City and Liverpool. In the house today, we got Michael LaHood and Nigel Rio Coker. Boys, how you doing? Good, thank you. Yeah, doing grand. Weird to have club football back so soon, huh? Yeah, it's a strange feeling, right? Because you watch club football and you think, oh, God, I can't wait for club football to come back. But then you're watching the game and it's just, it's not the World Cup, is it? It's just not. No. No, but that game today we just <laughs> were going to discuss was absolutely entertaining. And the thing is, it takes away from the World Cup because soon, give it two weeks down the line, people are going to start to forget about the World Cup. It's going to be a little bit of a distant memory because things are going to get serious domestically in these leagues that we're watching. Yeah, sounds like you've already forgotten the World Cup, Nigel. So yeah. let's move on to the round of 16 EFL <laughs> Cup. Manchester City taking on Liverpool today at home. Erling Haaland, it took him only 10 minutes to get on the score sheet. Beautiful goal from him. Lovely cross from De Bruyne. 24 goals in 19 games for City across all competitions this season for Erling Haaland. 18 in the Prem, 5 in the Champions League. And then this one, of course, lovely celebration. Kevin De Bruyne looks like he's so happy playing for Manchester City. It was a great start. We'll get into the other goal scorers as we talk this game. But what a wonderful start from Erling Haaland he's rested he's ready to go and it didn't take him long Michael yeah it's a weird thing if you're him and you're almost waiting for the most important supplier of your goals and Kevin De Bruyne to come back first and the fact that De Bruyne and Belgium got knocked out in the group stages is going to be the best thing for this relationship the best thing for Pep Guardiola and Manchester City and Erling Haaland looked a very happy man but outside of the goal and maybe a first half chance that he had that he should have put in he really didn't do as much in this game he really didn't have to because City had the more the better quality on the field mm-hmm well, for me, I'm not going to talk about Haaland because I'm sure it's not going to be the, the last time we mention his name as we just started. We're not even in the Premier League games yet. But for me, I want to marvel at Kevin De Bruyne. He was absolutely sensational today. Like, just the quality that that kid possesses. The, he's just, he's unbelievable. He really is one of the top players in world football. And I think today was just a performance where 
I look at that and I'm like, you can see he is the heartbeat of this City team. As much as Haaland gets a lot of the headlines and everything, you take Kevin De Bruyne out of that team. I don't see Erling Haaland scoring or being as clinical as he has been for Manchester City. Kev Kevin De Bruyne is the heartbeat of Manchester City and the performance he put in today was just just top class performance. Nigel, is he the same player without Erling Haaland though? Because you mm. must remember that they had Gabriel Jesus and they have had other strikers in the past at Manchester City, but he needs players to finish the opportunities and those wonderful crosses. I mean, I've, I love David Beckham, right? And David Beckham crosses the ball like something I've never seen before. But De Bruyne has the same technique and style. Every time he puts a ball into the box, it's just waiting for someone to finish it. And now, Nigel, he's got that striker. He definitely has that striker. He's got that striker that's going to get on the end of things and that can be clinical and wants to move in behind. And what, like I said before, we've already talked about the bromance that's blossoming between the two of them. So it's one of those things where it's a match made in heaven, Ian. And it's kind of like when you used to have those central midfield pairings where both players complement each other tremendously. You look at the Arsenal Invincibles, Patrick Vieira and Emmanuel Petit. So with this Man City thing, you're, saying, you're pretty much saying the same thing. When you look at Kevin De Bruyne and Erling Haaland, all he wants to do is score goals. Haaland doesn't have to get involved in the build-up play, doesn't have to really be too much of a link-up man. There's so much top-class quality around that City team. They can do that. All they want him to do is put the ball into the back of the net. And with the delivery, the vision that Kevin De Bruyne has and what he's doing and just that Execution. game today, yeah. it, it, it's a match made in heaven. Yeah, uh, I, I want I, I would want to see Kevin De Bruyne's credit card bill after the World Cup because I'm sure he went to tons and tons of therapy with the service that he went into the World Cup and put for Romelu Lukaku. The fact that he shows up to the Etihad and doesn't see Lukaku, may not see him ever again with the national team. Hey, this game was for you, Kevin De Bruyne. So golf clap for him and how he executed in the final third. KDB and Erling Holland, this was what City were missing last year. I, I go back to the Champions League semifinals when they had that match against Madrid where Jack Grealish misses a wide-open chance that Erling Holland would have punished Real Madrid. And, and Manchester City, we may be talking about them being Champions League winners last season. Now, fast forward to this season. This was a very important goal for Erling Holland to score. The injuries, the question marks. As a striker, when you get that first goal, the fact that it came so easy, effortlessly, and it came early on in the game, we will see the goals keep raining in, I think, after this game because he scored early. Yeah, I think it's important to get that goal, especially when you've been sitting on your backside for such a long period of time watching all the other teammates play in the World Cup. Must be disappointed from. We've got a question coming in from Andy real quickly to you, Nigel. He's saying, will Norway make the 2026 World Cup? It's a good question, really, because Erling Haaland, best players in the world, best strikers in the world, we want to see in the biggest competition in the world. Will they be there? I think it'll be very difficult for them. But like you just said there, Ian, Erling Haaland will score the goals. But Norway don't really have that provider yet that can really make that team tick. There's a lot of pieces that need to be filled. I know Michael's raising his yeah. eyebrow because I know exactly who he's thinking of. But I'm sorry, he's not on the same level as Kevin De Bruyne. Go on, Michael. He's not, he's not on the same level as De Bruyne, but he, he's a good player. He's one of the best okay, providers but, in the Premier League right now. But internationally still. You have to say the name so people out there watching know who you're talking about. Martin Odegaard. Martin Odegaard yeah. for Arsenal. The Arsenal, they're top of the league, right? They're above Manchester City. He's not playing you in the Norway national team. I'm not talking about that. We're talking about no. Norway. We're talking about the other no. pieces that go with it. Look oh. how strong a competition it is in Europe to qualify with all these other nations. You look at Italy that didn't even qualify. Have you seen Italy recently? How they're resurging? It's going to be a tough call for Norway to qualify, in my opinion. I agree. I, I agree it would be tough. But I think there's a lot that you can do when you have two special players on the international level. 
with Norway, <laughs> when you have a player like Erlen Holland, when you have someone who can play the final pass like Martin Odegaard, is he Kevin De Bruyne? Absolutely not. But Martin Odegaard is a very good footballer. Mikel Arteta certainly thinks so. He's the captain of Arsenal right now who are top of the league. I would put more respect on Martin Odegaard's name given what he's done this season. It's not just him, though, Michael. They do have players who are playing, multiple players playing in Italy, some in Germany. They are starting to spread around the love and, and certainly got the experience, especially with this being a more extended World Cup here. Producer Des is mentioning that it's a 48-team World Cup. You have an opportunity for countries like a Norway to make it. And when you have a striker who can finish chances, sure, Nigel's right. You need someone to create opportunities for him. He's not the type of player that will go run, drop off, pick up the ball and beat five players. He's not that guy. You need to create chances for this guy and there needs to be those killer passes in behind for him to get on the end of it so they do still need to step up so it's a big question mark even with the 48 team world cup go nice it is but no 100% Ian you're right but then you, you talk about you talk about international level look at some of the teams we've seen in just this world cup you look at how good Switzerland were you look at Denmark with the players that they have yep I just says no, you're 100% right. They're not at that level yet. You know, Norway are, are, are redeveloping some talent. They have produced some great players in the past, but they're redeveloping it. And I, I just don't see them with how competitive other European nations are. And you're talking about mm. front to back all the way, how good you have to be. Norway just not quite there yet. Just the two. All right. I, I do, I do, just a lot, quick thing for me, and before we move on, I, I look at some of the teams coming through, and I asked in our little chat, Bodo Glimt, what they're doing on the club level, the fact that they're competing, whether it's the Conference League or the Europa League, they are competing. They're becoming more competitive, and I think a club like that could be a pipeline for the national team moving forward for 2026. It's a lot of great youngsters in, in past. And, and listen, Norway have had successful national teams in the past as yeah. well. They have been able to compete, but the quality of player is not at the same level. You have an Odegaard and you have, of course, um, Erling Haaland, but you need a support system. And if you don't have that, it's going to be very difficult. As far, especially with the recent qualification process, there was a lot of experienced players in there, 27, 28 years old, not going to be around when it comes to the World Cup. So they need their youth system to really step up big time. Let's get back to this game. Fabio Carvalho equalized 20 minutes into this game. Game. fantastic goal it was good build up good bit of space unmarked inside that penalty area we can talk about this in two different ways this obviously being the first half of this game um Liverpool got their goal they probably deserved their goal poor defending from Manchester City but my oh my Liverpool when they do break they look dangerous Nigel they look dangerous when they break it, it, it really was it was a great game to watch but I don't know I'm finding it a little bit hard to kind of analyze it because I kind of expected <laughs> that in the sense from Liverpool I still feel yeah. Liverpool are still finding themselves. They're finding themselves, and you can clearly see in that midfield, this is the reason why they're trying so hard to pursue Jude Bellingham. They're missing some extra bodies in that midfield. They're really missing that full energy, energetic, top quality player in centre mm. midfield. They, they are. They're lacking that bite. They try to press high at times. And again, I still feel that these players are so tired still from the, the seven-year demand of Jurgen Klopp of the intensity and stuff. And remember we said it, they're trying to change their ways now. They're trying to be not as predictable. So some games they might press high, they might not. I think um, they do look dangerous when they break. I still question Nunes. I don't know what you guys mm. think. I personally don't think he's going to be as clinical at Liverpool as he was at Benfica because the chances he's getting, there was a great cross in the game from Robertson that came in the back stick and he side-footed wide. If you're a top-class striker that they're paying 18 million for 60 million for you've got to be putting that in the back of the net. You've got to be at least hitting the target. He had a an opportunity early on in the game and let um, the de defender recover. 
And I just feel for me that I just don't think he's going to be as clinical as he is at Benfica. I think he can be four, a great four team shots, player. Nigel. Four yeah. shots, none on target. And yeah. that's and he's and how much? How many millions do they pay for him? Oh, 80 million. Huh? That's my point. And, and I think that's one of the things. And then just quickly on Man City before Michael joins in. Yeah. I know everyone says, oh, Man City favourites to win the Champions League. They look questionable just as much as Liverpool defensively. Yes. They look defensively against better opposition, more talented opposition. They will continue to concede goals. Yeah, they. this is a city team. I think Pep Guardiola is conceding the fact that they have the arsenal, they have the talent, they have the depth to outscore teams. They, they, they'll they be happy winning 5-4 as they are winning 1-0. They, when you have Erling Holland, goals are almost guaranteed. And when I look at the city team, looking at the players they brought in from World Cup action, Phil Foden coming off the bench, Jack Grealish coming off the bench, That they're just spoiled rotten for talent and, hey, they have the money to pay these players. For Liverpool, you're not going to win any applauds between that partnership of Joe Gomez and Joe Matip. Although Matip, credit to him on that incisive pass into was it James Milner for yeah. the first goal. I really, really do like how he's improved with the ball at his feet. Matip, not typically your defender that's going to make that pass. Virgil van Dijk is going to be that one with Liverpool. I think they really miss the presence of van Dijk and the likes of Kanate, who will be coming back, players rested from their World Cup action. But what worries me about Liverpool is exactly what the player we're talking about, Darwin Nunez. In the second half, I think he had a 1v1 where he made the run right down the right-hand side. The ball gets played in, and it was Matip again who plays the ball. Plays him in, and he's in 1v1 with the goalkeeper, and he's looking for a pass rather yeah. than taking the shot. Mohamed Salah's not looking for a pass. The player who they used to have in their team that would have put that away, Saidu Mane. The issues for Liverpool rest in the fact that he bailed them out a lot last season. They didn't appreciate him. They thought they could get a better deal with the younger player in Nunez. And, hey, if I'm a Liverpool fan, you, I would be asking my club to potentially sue Darwin Nunez for fraud. Do you not think he'll, <laughs> he'll come good, though, Michael? Do you not think that the talent that we have witnessed from Darwin Nunez, obviously previously yeah. going to Liverpool, and, and I recognize the price tag. It is a heavy price tag. But, Nigel, as you know well and truly, playing in the Premier League is completely different from anything these players have ever experienced before. You can play anywhere in the world. But once you get to the Premier League, you've kind of got to relearn the league. And it's same same for Nigel. You go from the Championship up to the Premier League. You've got to learn the league. It takes time to learn systems, to learn how they play, how, how to work as hard as Liverpool demand and Jurgen Klopp demands. I think it will take some time, Nigel, mm. but I do believe that he will get there. Go ahead. I, I don't know, Ian. I disagree with you. I think I look already at the talent. I look at what he was doing already at Benfica. And yep. if you want to compare it, we've got to be honest. You look at Haaland. We all questioned whether Haaland would fit in Pep Guardiola's system. How does Pep going to play? No, no, no. Ellen no. We all did not do that. Some no, of no. us did. Some of us questioned you whether did. he would fit in <laughs> Pep's system with the false nine. But you look at how he did it. And I just feel that, I don't know. I just look like Michael said there, the confidence just seems too low for a player of that quality. And yes, the price tag is going to pay, uh, be a burden onto him. But you're at Liverpool. You're expected to score goals. If you're going to come for that price tag, you have to score goals. And you can see it in body language and action. And what mm -hmm. Michael said there is a great analysis because he looked to pass. He didn't believe in himself well enough to go and have an attempt on goal. And then he drags it completely yeah. wide. That, for me, is not good enough. If he's hitting the target and the goalkeeper's pulling a save, you can mm -hmm. say, you know what, he's hitting the target. There's, you can't ask more than that. You know, sometimes it will go in for a striker. Sometimes he wouldn't. But when you're not hitting yeah. the target and you're dragging it, and you're going to be Liverpool's main goal scorer, main threat, mm. that's when it's going to be worrying. And sometimes we have to understand it just might not be a fit for him. 
It doesn't mean he's a bad player. It doesn't mean he's a poor player. It doesn't mean Jurgen Klopp's a bad manager. It just might be Liverpool is not the fit for him where we will see Nunes firing at his best. I, I think it's a good point that we're talking about because we're talking about a young player who you see him creating chances. I'd be really worried about him if he wasn't creating. The fact that he created and had four chances today, that is a positive sign for a striker. But you're not going to a mid-table team. You're not going to a team battling for relegation. You are going to a Liverpool team that is one of the biggest clubs in the world right now that has been playing in Champions League finals. When you were brought in to replace one of your main goal-scoring threats, Nigel, you know this playing in the Premier League, the shelf life of a striker who is dependent upon, you have a very small shelf life to deliver. If you're Nunez, you will not be getting chance after chance because you're going to Yeah, but Klopp they're not, they're not just relying the on him, though. Again. They're not just relying on him, though, Michael. If you think of Sadio Mane, Sadio Mane's goal figures were not 20-plus goal figures a season. But he, but he showed relying up. on him to score goals. But the difference with Mane, Mane lived for these big games. He was their yes. big game player. But he Mane, showed up against Man, Man City last season. He was the difference between those two teams when they played each yep. other. If Mane wasn't scoring, he was creating for Salah. And yes. Salah was creating for him. That's the difference. That there yeah. still isn't that connection at the moment with not with Nunes and Salah. If one of them is yep. not scoring, one of them's creating. But let's just go about how we will say history repeats itself. And I say it's not the perfect place or perfect fit. I look at Fernando Torres at Liverpool. What mm-hmm. an amazing season he had for Liverpool. Goals he scored. Goes to Chelsea. Looks like a complete different player. Fish out of water worked hard but couldn't hit anything into the back of the net <laughs> i don't even know I don't even, but it can happen that's my point about sometimes it happens to players where it just might not be the right fit and i think the fernando torres comparison for me is one of the best ones i can think of because he was sensation at liverpool and he had an absolute torrid at chelsea yeah, great stuff. Great comments. Uh, quick uh, stat here for you as well as we just wrap up the first half here. Erling Haaland has now scored on his debut in the Norwegian Football Cup, Champions League, Bundesliga, DFB Pokal, DFB Super Cup, Premier League, and now the League Cup in England. Not bad for Erling Haaland. Welcome back to football from him. All right, we're going to take a quick break. More reaction from the Liverpool and uh, City game and final thoughts from the lads when we come back. You are watching House of Champions. You ready for this? Yeah. If is the most original and heartfelt movie in years. Magic like this comes around once in a lifetime. This Friday, experience it with your whole family. Can we do it again? If ready PG. Just a quick reminder, if you're an American soccer fan that follows the Stars and Stripes, make sure to check out another great pod in the CBS Sports Podcast family. In Soccer We Trust, former US Men's National Team stars Jimmy Conrad, Heath Pierce, and Charlie Davies, they discuss all things about the beautiful game as it pertains to the US of A. Download and subscribe to the In Soccer We Trust podcast anywhere you found this one. Welcome back to House of Champions. You enjoy Michael Hood and Nigel Rio Coker. We're discussing the round of 16 EFL Cup game that just wrapped up. It was Manchester City with a 3-2 victory over Liverpool. We've already gone through the first half. Let's get into the second half. It didn't take long, Michael, before we got some goals. 47 minutes on the clock. Rihad Mahrez scored a banger. And then Mo Salah, a minute later, equalized to make it 2-2. Yeah, and it was a perfect reaction from Liverpool. Not easy to do when you go down and get almost sucker punched right out of the gate, but love the reaction. And and it was quality from Darwin Nunez using his pace. I think when you're a striker and you're playing in the Premier League, if you're not going to be a goal scorer, out and out goal scorer, you have to provide something else. You have to threaten in behind. City were playing with a very high line and Emmerich Laporte, he will be having nightmares trying to chase down Darwin Nunez today from this match. And Nunez was smart. 
to to slide that ball across. I think he got a bit fortunate because he hit that ball with a lot of pace. And Salah, being the goal scorer that he was, or that he is, not was, is, uh, he did well to redirect it because the ball was played a little bit behind him. What is worrying for Liverpool, though, and I think it'll come good when they get players back healthy and back in the swing of things, that third goal, the game-winning goal, that was too easy. Poor defensive marking. And it was Nat Phillips, I think, that just went to sleep. The entire team went to sleep. Jurgen Klopp will be kicking himself because I think if they don't give up a goal like that, the longer it's 2-2, I actually back them to go on and win that game because they were doing well to press in the second half once they got the equalizer. Mm-hmm. But Mike, I have to say as well, I think even for Manchester City, the equalizer, the, the Liverpool scored a 2-2, like you, you just described about Nunes down the line into Salah. What's Aki doing? Aki's one of Mo Salah. Space doesn't score. So if he all he has to do is be close to Mo Salah and try and get a physical touch around him and stay around him. He's the only person there. Aki's running that way and not looking at ball and man, which is what you're taught. You know where the ball, you can see where the ball is. Where's the man? You've got to be on that half turn. He's facing flat back there. And then all Salah does is just stand still, stop, and the ball falls to him. And Aki doesn't know where he is. So for me, I still look at that as poor defending. At that level there, it's poor defending. You've got to use common sense. One-on-one break, you only, it's only Salah there. Stay close to Salah because the space doesn't score. The man does. So it's questionable for both of them. And again, like you said, Liverpool conceding that third goal was probably the, the, the punch to the gut that they didn't need. And um, I think, that there's, as we said, there's still so many questions with this Liverpool side and what kind of season they're going to have. But I admire I admire the, the character that they did show to come back and stay in that game. And I think there's a lot of confidence that Liverpool as players and fans can take from that performance because they didn't roll over. City was sensational, but good give credit to Liverpool for being able to stay and fight for as long as they did. I agree with you. A couple of stats as well to throw at you before Mike jumps in here. Mohsala is the first player to score 10 plus goals against Pep Guardiola's Manchester wow. City. So he enjoys scoring against Manchester City. And then Kevin De Bruyne has now provided 14 assists in 20 games across all competitions this season. Michael, listen, at the end of the day, did the best team win? You have to say that Liverpool yeah. turned up on the day and they made this a really fun game to watch. Um, Liverpool, I really believe they'll be okay. They just came up against a Manchester City that could rotate and in the end find a way to win the game. I think the timing of this game at Manchester City will be very fortunate that the fact that the players that they got to come back and be a part of this game were players that didn't have good World Cups. They were on teams that didn't perform at the FIFA World Cup. The World Cup's loss is City's gain. When you have 16 players playing in the FIFA World Cup, that is going to be a worrying sign for a matchup that came at the right time for them and the wrong time for this Liverpool team. But I think I look at the experience if you will, for what this is going to have on the likes of a Fabio Carvalho, a player who will benefit from getting a goal against City. I like him. I liked him at Fulham. I like him with this Liverpool team. I think he should be given more minutes. If Darwin Nunez isn't going to perform, put him on the field. It'll be a big call by the manager. But if the kid's going to score and perform in games when he gets sniffs, you got to play him. Nigel, real quickly, obviously you have experienced this being involved around the Premier League. Um, me learning my trade uh, lower than that in the Championship, I recognise the schedule can be very grueling for a lot of these teams around the Christmas period. Experiencing it as a player was very tough for me. I mean, the, the regular season in the Championship was 46 games, if I'm not mistaken, back in the day, and it probably still is. Um, but then you've got Cup competition, Cup competition, European competition. It is a grueling schedule. So how difficult is it for a player like you playing at the highest level in the Premier League, trying to continue you to play your top performance when you're playing every two and three days I mean that must be so difficult it's difficult but if honestly for me I love the game so much I embraced it and I loved it 
the Christmas period was always my favorite period. I absolutely loved it. it. It is hard. It's mentally tough. The big difference between the championship and the premiership is the quality aspect, Ian, because you know in the championship, you're going to get a few more opportunities or chances because players might not be concentrated for the full 90 minutes, make a mistake, individual errors. But when you get to that Premier League level, you really learn about being clinical. And I think that the focus in the sense of um, staying focused and in tune with the game for 90 plus minutes and not making a mistake, that is the harder toll on it when you're playing in those difficult times because you're playing so many games thick and fast. But the level of concentration is just another level where it does become a burden because you don't want to make that mistake because there's so much more at stake, you would say, being in the Premier League than being in the Championship because of what comes with it. But it is a grueling, grueling period of, of, of games. Injuries always do happen, whether it's, it's knees, hamstrings. Like This is the period where a lot of players will get injured. Mm-hmm. I remember obviously my days moving over to Germany and coming back to the UK through the festive period and I would be on vacation for two weeks. There was no games. And in Germany, if you look right now, they're not starting until the end of January. Yeah. Their players are getting a break. They're allowing themselves to recover from a World Cup and players who haven't played have had pretty much two months off by the time they get going again. It yeah. really is a fair way to look after your athletes, whereas in many ways, I don't know what you think about this, Michael. Mm-hmm. I think it's unfair to a lot of the Premier League players. And you can see Pep Guardiola. He was pissed off and his, pre- his pre-game talking about how difficult it is to get players mentally tuned in, how difficult it is to choose a starting 11. It's a tough period of time for people who are not from the UK trying to understand it. But I used to love it in Bundesliga, watching uh, everybody go on (laughs) to battle while I was eating my turkey, getting stuck into my third plate. What do you think, Mike? I I think, Nigel, you make a really good point about just the focus and the fitness levels these players have to have. Now more than ever, I was watching that game almost deteriorate in terms of quality towards the end of today's AFL Cup match, thinking, how are these hamstrings holding up? How are these bodies, how are these athletes even doing what they're doing? Some of these guys just came off a plane maybe a few days ago, just got back to England maybe a week ago, and the fact that they're out there playing a full shift, 90 minutes tackling each other. I look at the midfielders covering in ground i just it blow it did you see wait mind. mike did you see the end of the game kevin de Boyna when the final whistle went he was on all fours <laughs> yeah. he was on well, all I, fours at the end of the game there and was bear there, in mind he came early from the world cup so yeah. imagine that yeah there, there was a run i think rodri it may be in the 80 something minute rodri was chasing down someone breaking through i think it was harvey elliott breaking in for liverpool and harvey elliott chopped him once chopped him twice and rodri you know when you're tired and you, you put your head back and you're just like I, I felt exhausted watching him run, but now we got this first game out. I feel for the other guys who are watching this thinking, oh my gosh, what have I done? I just left Doha, Qatar, the weather's changed, and I have to come back in the rain, back into England, and back into playing competitive football in England. It, it, it's going to be something to just behold, but this is the time where the champions-to-be really separate themselves. They accept the grueling festival period, and they just go for it. Matt says, shut up. Uh, just give people what they want. That is Boxing Day fixtures for everybody. I'd uh, love to hear it from Matt. Um, listen, we appreciate everybody jumping in on the comments here. Here's a reminder of the teams who are already through uh, quarter final of this competition. It's Charlton Athletic, Leicester City, Manchester United, Newcastle United, Nottingham Forest, Southampton, Wolverhampton Wanderers, and now Manchester City. The one thing that I will say is a benefit from this is the fact that the World Cup gave players a break. You came back, EFL Cup was an opportunity to get players back to match fitness. So we're seeing maybe more competitive games because of that. So now a lot of teams move on. It'll be 
very interesting to see who wins this competition and who will be in the starting 11s once they get to the quarterfinal because I guarantee you, you're going to see a, a ton of changes. Final thoughts before we get out of the EFL Cup and move on to our final thoughts on the show. Michael, anything from you? Uh, you know, I was hoping Liverpool would win this one because I don't want my Manchester United to face City anytime in the near future. But I could see this potentially being a Manchester Derby final. So, hey, give me what I want. They got to get there first, Michael. You know that, right? <laughs> well, yeah, yeah. Hey, I feel I feel very confident. Hey, anytime United win, my confidence goes through the roof. I'm very confident. Uh, Nigel, go ahead. I just Ian, it's just funny. It's like this. I love Man United fans. They're so delusional. Like, oh, we'll see. You gotta get there, mate. Like Ian said, I, I bet you any man you draw Newcastle next, and you get put out by Newcastle. Uh, Andy's asking when the league starts back up again. That'll be Boxing Day, the 26th, Andy. So make sure you tune into the Premier League and enjoy. Um, we also have the Italian League not starting too far away in Paramount Plus. Make sure you can tune in. CBS Sports will also have a lot of their games covering. Uh, P Plus also offering uh, 50% off if you use the code all year. So make sure you jump on board with that one and enjoy the Italian League when it does come back. We're looking forward to that one. Champions League will be back in February. So there's a reminder for everybody. Nigel, I'm coming to you real quickly with our final thoughts because, you know, the discussion has been going on in <laughs> on about um, Salt Bay being on the pitch and we've spoken already in length and great depth about Salt Bay of course um, on our show but at the same time it won't go away it's continuously there I mean here's a, a obviously a comment coming in Salt Bay incident reaction to it has been brewing for two years and the blame squarely lies with FIFA and uh, specifically uh, Gianni Infantino he's been publicly praising this guy and this is a video that just came out. I've only just seen this today. But this was apparently a couple of years ago, if I'm not mistaken. Nigel, your, Look your at thoughts Infantino shaking in his chair <laughs> as Saltby's cutting the steak. Look at him shaking his chair. Look at him. Look at his eyes. Look at him. Thoughts? What do you, you mean? There's not, there's not really much to think about, Ian. Like, they're investigating who? You're investigating the leader of the organization. There is no oh, investigation geez. needed. Oh, Look at that. Copying him. Look at that. They should have just got a room together. I just want to know, Des, put that first picture up again. Let me just make a point here. Des, put the first picture up. Look at Salt Bay with Infantino and look at the legends you have behind you and you're hugging Infantino. You have the Ronaldo there. You have Roberto Carlos and you have Cafu. Legends, historic legends of world football. And you got your hand around Infantino. That just tells you all you need to know. Why are they even doing an investigation? Go on their social media. You know who the, who gave him access. That's all you need to <laughs> yeah. say. Yeah, I think we're we're this is the this is the full out on evidence of what we need. This is the incriminating evidence. FIFA, you have your man, he's your president. But I also think we're seeing how football is changing, how <laughs> you would have legends being the face of an iconic moment like this. But you have Salt Bay, who's a TikTok social media star, and Infantino probably issuing his next re-election campaign in front of our eyes. I do think he's going to re get re-elected no matter what. That's my spiel. There was a great tweet that came out from Italian Football TV. It's IFTV official. Um, that's our Marco Messina. You'll catch him, obviously, on Serie A coverage on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, that's his uh, group. And he, <laughs> he put a picture up with um, Salt Bay holding the trophy next to Di Maria. And the tweet said, uh, Then you see Salt Bay with the cup in his hand. They didn't let me go to the World Cup final. <laughs> they told me that the stadium was sold out. Then you see that guy on the pitch. That came from... 
Walter Zenga couldn't get a ticket, and this guy's <laughs> out there on the pitch sprinkling salt on the trophy. Oh, <laughs> the fact that listen, the fact that he was grabbing it away from players who, as we know, right? I mean, for us, it's only even imaginable to get near the trophy. Never mind touch it. I would never touch it anyway. But yeah. at the same time, to get near the trophy, to watch a World Cup game is is something unique and special. If you get a chance, go do it. It's so special. But then you see images like this with someone grappling at it and, and groping this trophy that players have given everything in their lives. Families have invested in their children for these Argentinian players. And then you're pulling it away from these guys? Inexcusable. Hey, Ian, for me, it's surprising that Infantino didn't give him a little private session where he can come and see the World Cup behind closed doors and touch it as right. much as he likes. That's, that, that's the thing that makes sense. And then you go on the pitch, taking away the moment in these Argentinian players, and the way he was trying to grab Lionel Messi, oh, like this yeah, guy was, that, was, that to that me was, was the most embarrassing bit. But again, I just feel that it's another stain on FIFA under the, the rulership of Infantino, and he just looks very idiotic right now because this whole video on social media, all the pictures, and again, I'm sorry, I still irks me when I look at that picture. You're hugging Infantino, and Ronaldo R9 is there <laughs> in the background, and you're hugging Infantino. Does he know how He's much a, Ronaldo R9 transformed football but, but, when but he Ren came onto the scene? But Ronaldo R9, Ronaldo, Salpe's a businessman. He's going where the money goes. Infantino's a business guy. These guys care about the money. If you're in the room, yeah, you grab a photo. You probably grabbed a photo of R9. But if you want World Cup tickets, if you want to touch a World Cup trophy, R9's going to give it to you. It's Infantino. That's why Salt Bay is going to vote for him for your election. I'm starting the campaign right now. Infantino. Ian, we just needed Will Smith on that pitch there just to walk up to him and just give him a slap in the face. We needed. we needed Will Smith to be on that pitch and just walk right up to him. What are you doing? We just needed you on the pitch, Nigel. Yeah, just yeah. Just two foot him in the chest. I mean, I'll be honest with you. If um, if I had just won the World Cup, I would never in a million years let that yeah. guy grab it out of my hands. And the fact is, it's branding, right? He's obviously created such a big brand for himself. Everybody knows who he is with the stupid salt throwing thing that he does. And uh, mm. James Bench mentioned it on our show the other day there. I will never eat another steak or ever even <laughs> go to this steak. I've never actually had one, but never yeah. go and have a steak from this restaurant because of that incident right there. I'm disgusted by it. It tells me what kind of human being that is. And um, a thoughtless person who cared about the moment and took the moment away from other players who were enjoying it and deserved it so much more. Final thoughts before we get out of here. Uh, quick thought on uh, Fabrizio Romano's. Um, Al Nasser have confirmed to Cristiano Ronaldo's camp their intention to push and insist the next days. The bid until June 25 is still valid on the table. No plan to give up. Cristiano will decide his future in the next days after waiting for European clubs. This is uh, Fabrizio's tweet coming out. Obviously a big part of the House of Champions family. Um, thoughts on that one, Michael? Obviously, Cristiano Ronaldo loves to be in the news, loves to get the attention, and he's clearly not been spoken about enough recently. But what do you think <laughs> would be his next move? Is, is that a good one? I, it might be his only move right now. <laughs> and I, I think the, the, he's desperate. I, I really see a desperate footballer, desperate to stay in the media, desperate to stay relevant. Uh, and he's done this to himself, really, with his actions at United, the fact that how he's gotten here, it's tarnishing his legacy more and more. But he's about to be a really wealthy, wealthy man. So, hey, Ronaldo. He already is, though. He already he's, is. Though. He's about, I mean, just, <laughs> he's a money guy. He's following the money. At the end of the day, if this is your only club, funny, not a bad option. Money. Yeah, you got no, no other option. That's why, for God's sake, Mike, come, let's be yeah. real. Let's talk about the mental state. 
Cristiano Ronaldo is competitive, super competitive, wants to be the yes. best. Love it. Can't take that away from him. Mm. But regardless of how you say it, it'll be hurting him right now, the fact he's watched his biggest rival lift the World Cup. That'll be burning him inside. He wants to stay in Europe because, again, Messi looks like he's going to stay in Europe if the reports are true about an extension in Paris Saint-Germain. Going to break more records with the Champions League. And if he wins the Champions League again, that is what will burn Ronaldo the most. The competitive, the competitive nature within him is what's going to be burning him the most. He wants to stay at a European club, but how he handled that whole Manchester United situation and what's happened recently, it makes it very difficult for top European clubs competing in the Champions League to willing to take the risk on him. If Ronaldo can turn down these 200 million to win the World Cup and that this big contract, he will take the World Cup. He is very competitive and I just think that that will be burning him for sure. Yeah, but Nigel... Do Portugal play him at the World Cup or even the Euros? I mean, he just looks like he's done with Portugal now as far as I'm concerned. I think he's still there at Portugal. He needs to play games. I'm not surprised he didn't play this World Cup because mm. he wasn't playing at Manchester United. And I told you it was a World Cup where you need to be fit going into this World Cup. He's he's at that age where he needs to play consecutive games. It doesn't matter how fit you are, how much running you do. When you're not playing games consecutively, it catches up to you. That is why you need to be playing games. And that's why he found it hard to fit in this Portuguese side. And unless he gets somewhere where he's going to be playing regularly to get those fitness levels up and to get that march sh match sharpness again, then he will play for Portugal in the Euros. I can see it. But if he doesn't, you could, he's not going to play. You could see him playing for Portugal. They've, he will play. I think whoever goes next to Portugal, whoever goes next to become the next Portuguese manager, ooh. You got I a think. lot on your plate. Like Ronaldo, as Thingy said, Ronaldo is an institution in Portugal. He, he might be the manager. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Ronaldo might give it to him to be player manager. Yeah, yeah. I think that's the only way he plays. I think there's a Portugal team that is ready to move on from him. You look at the stars waiting in the wings. You look at the age of some of those stars. I don't see him a part of the national team by the next Euros. I think that would be an absolute hindrance on Portugal's ambitions and potential going into the international scene. But... Matt yeah. saying here, Mike, he feels oddly sorry for Ronaldo now. His legacy has been torched in a matter of weeks in a very humiliating way. It's not far wrong, though, when you think of the whole situation, the whole story with Ronaldo. Messi yeah. winning the World Cup and yeah. him sitting on the bench and, and his reaction, it's, walking off the pitch and all this stuff. Go ahead, Mike. No, I, it's a word for it. It's called karma. <laughs> this is what karma no, looks honestly, like. Honestly, do you not think, though, Ronaldo would have rather Mbappe win the World Cup than Messi? Because his rivalry is with Messi. He don't, like Mbappe still isn't seen at the level as Ronaldo or Messi. So I think Ronaldo's competitive nature still is with Lionel Messi. Seeing Lionel Messi pick up that trophy was beyond a gut to the punch. A, a He's punch in the gym. Bench pressing his way right now on the running machine with weights in his arm, getting ready for next season's Champions League. But do you know what? Do you guys think that the sneaky last minute that mm. a European club will come in for him? Something will happen. Yeah. Well, so let me ask you this real quickly then, Nigel, Oof, and then Mike, you can follow up here. Yeah. If there is a club that would come in from him, and we must admit now, there will be offers on the table from European clubs. He's obviously waiting for the right one. Where would be the right fit for him, Nigel? What, club-wise? Yeah. It depends what club. Like you said, no, you can't man. say. I'm asking you. No, I'm asking you. If you were to look <laughs> at a club listen, right if, now. If, Ronaldo is still a talented player, but he has to go into a club where the system works around him for a year or two, where you're going to have to have a lot of youth, a lot of mm. enthusiasm, 
but youth with good quality, with potential, where they could make that next step up to maybe that top 1% club where they can work around him. Because you know you're going to be down defensively because he's not going to be able to press high from the front. But if you've got the right youth around him and utilise him in that kind of system, he'll work well. ML? It has to be a young club. Can't be an older club. Yeah. I just don't see it still. Because he, he's... If you're a club of relevance, if you're a club that's a, a prominent club in Europe, how he got out of the situation wasn't the fact that he was he just wasn't getting minutes. It's how he the thing that clubs have prided him and lauded him on his professionalism. He's not been professional, and he, he carried that that lack of professionalism to the World Cup stage. I think he's done a lot of harm for any club who will go, who really has a Champions League ambition to go and get him. So I, I struggle here to think of a club that would even that he would thrive in right now because he's not being professional. And I don't know. It's, I just can't think, I can't see it right now. Can I give you one? Go on. Borussia Dortmund. It's not a bad shout. No striker. Lost, um, lost, uh, obviously, yeah. alert long-term at the moment while he mm. recovers. He will come back, obviously. They tried to bring in Modest, who's struggling. They're in the Champions League. They need someone who can score goals and take opportunities that they create. And they also need an, a bit of an icon right now because right now they're looking for a short-term fix, Borussia Dortmund. That would be a great, that's a great shout, yeah. Ian. That's a great yeah. shout. And then just before we get out of there again, Ian, I still can't believe Salt Bay was hugging Infantino <laughs> and not Ronaldo, the R9, the legend. That's all I have to say. I'm going to take you for one of those steaks, Nigel, me and you. We're going to go in there. <laughs> no, no, we're going to go in there. That's hilarious. And you know what we're going to do? We're going to tear the place apart when we get in there, right? Start. <laughs> All right. I think it's, it's time for us to go. The language has just gone south very quickly, talking about South Bay. Uh, thanks, everybody, for tuning into the show. Thank you to everybody there for your comments as well, joining in, uh, just wrapping up the round of 16. Manchester City getting the victory over Liverpool, move on to the quarterfinals of the AFL Cup. Uh, Michael LaHood, we appreciate you. Thank you so much. Nigel Rio Coker as well. Boys, you are great at what you do. Uh, continue to do great things as we go through this festive period. The boys will be back at it again tomorrow. But just a reminder to everybody out there, we want to thank you also for listening to House of Champions. Please take a minute to leave us a rating and a review on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and anywhere else you listen to your podcast, and also available as video. So subscribe to us on YouTube. I have lost my power to talk right now, apparently. So it's time for me to switch off and go get a baby. Thanks, everybody. We'll see you next time. Bye.